Hello, and welcome to The X-Ray. I'm Fernando Espuelas. First, let me explain what we're doing here. There are a lot of great podcasts, and there's some really great political podcasts, but we're doing something different. We're taking a different road. We're taking a fresh look at our political system. Introducing The X-Ray, a new political podcast about political power. Who wants it, who wills it, and why? A penetrating analysis of the biggest issues facing American politics. Interviews with power players, conversations with politicos, experts, and national journalists. And a special segment called X-Ray Vision, a fun exploration of the real person behind the political title. I'm your host, Fernando Espuelas, and I hope you'll join me every week on The X-Ray. For more information, check out thexray.org, and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. The X-Ray is a project of Issue One. I'm Weston Womp, and this is Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One. Hi, I'm Weston Womp, and this is a special episode of Swamp Stories, focused on the January 6th hearings. A bipartisan committee in Congress continues to hold a series of important hearings to shed light on the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol by rioters hoping to prevent a peaceful transfer of power. We're continuing our series of special conversations with leading political experts in response to the hearings to dive into what happened, what we learned, and how members of both parties are responding to events. Today, I'm speaking to former Wisconsin Republican Congressman Reed Ribble. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Obviously, these hearings uh, are more fascinating to those of us who have expressed concern about not just the country, but where we've been in the last couple years. Your thoughts here at the beginning of this conversation on the progression of the hearings from the primetime beginning to these most recent hearings that really drill down into the former president's thinking? I've got two, two kind of thoughts on it. Um, one is, at the beginning, I was worried that nobody was paying attention or that the people that needed to be paying attention weren't paying attention. And, uh, but, but what had happened after that first primetime uh, uh, hearing was the, the, the mainstream media Firstly, all the cable and network shows covered it for days. You couldn't avoid hearing about it. Second thing I was worried about was that it was going to be too partisan. And in fact, it has been a bit partisan, but mainly because they've only had Republicans as witnesses. And and so uh, it's been fascinating to take a look inside the thinking that was going on before the election and then after the election leading up to January 6th from these Republican insiders that were watching it happen in real time. I mean, I think the part of this that's undeniable, even to the most cynical Republican or the most disinterested Republican, is that, to your point, the voices we're hearing in evidence are the voices of Republicans, many of whom had the president's ear or were in or around his inner circle. I suppose that's a part of this that I didn't quite expect, was that so much of the content was going to be people who were within the Trump White House or adjacent to it. Yeah, for sure. And even campaign people, you know, J- Jason Miller and uh, um, I'm trying to remember who the other gentleman was that took over the campaign 
Um, but they they talked a lot about what was going on inside the campaign and how they were on team normal, you know, compared to the Rudy Giuliani team. It, it was absolutely fascinating. And I was particularly um, interested in seeing what Attorney, Gen- Attorney General Bill Barr said, because he he certainly had been on Team Trump for the entire two years that he was at at DOJ. And then he just called it right out saying, listen, we looked at this and there's just no there there. I feel like we saw the institutionalist, the George H.W. Bush Bill Barr come out in a hurry, right? When it when Trump went from an entertaining figure to one who was trying to undermine our core institutions. Correct. Yeah, we we saw the old Bill Barr, in my opinion, the one that was more of a straight shooter. Hey, here's what's going on. And and I mean, his his, his language um, uh saying that if the president actually believed this, he had lost touch with reality. That That's a pretty strong statement to make and um, from someone who, who had a chance to look at all the data. With stakes much, much lower, all of us have been in circumstances in our lives where we ignore this person's advice and that friend's advice, and we're only listening to the people who are telling us what we want to hear. It seems like this John Eastman character was the last person who was telling the president what he wanted to hear. You know, I don't know much about him. I mean, he's not a prominent person in conservative politics or policy. Uh, Certainly, in retrospect, we realize he he played a kind of a, a harrowing role what does it say that he uh, apparently was seeking a pardon as this went down? Yeah, and it wasn't apparently just him. You know, we heard during the the uh, the first time, the first day, the prime time, that there was a member of Congress who sought a, uh, a, a pardon ahead of time. And what it tells you is that they recognize after the fact, oh, man, we might have really stepped in it here. And they started to get fearful um, if President Biden took over and you had different leadership at DOJ, that there might be some criminal liability and they wanted to try to circumvent it. Now, clearly, uh, John Eastman, at the end, he said, hey, if this is still on the table, put me on the list. Um, it's a pretty casual statement saying he didn't even know that it was on the table. But the fact that he said if it's still on the table means that he was present when they talked about that idea as a possibility. Vice President Pence's role here has gotten almost all the attention yesterday. Um, Certainly he did when the going got tough. He stood up. There was some speculation. Certainly you and I are following a lot of the same conversations on Twitter. You hate to go there, but it does show the importance of his role. I think potentially also the importance of Vice President Pence speaking up. If Vice President Pence had have tried what the president you know, apparently wanted him to do, what would have happened? I mean, it's easy to speculate that the, you know, the 250-year experiment in self-government faces a, certainly it would have been a first there. It was, it would have been a true constitutional crisis because you're having one person making a decision. I don't like the results, so I'm not going to accept them. I'm sending them back to the states to redo it. And, um, it, 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 it would have been disastrous. And, and the riot that we saw at the Capitol, as bad as it was, and it was bad, I, I think would have been overshadowed by the riots you would have seen in every city across the country uh, when you had 80 million disaffected Americans saying, hold it here, time out. I know exactly who I voted for. and You can't have my vote. And, and I, think, I think you would have had just 
real violence uh, just about everywhere. And so um, Mike Pence clearly was the hero of the day on January 6th, and he was the hero of the of the hearing yesterday. Do you think he ought to speak up here? Would that be valuable to the country? I mean, you know, there may be political calibrations in this I wish he would speak up. I wish, I mean, and he, he, he has started to speak up, you know, when he went before the Federalist Society and said, you know, the, the, the presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. That's a pretty powerful statement to make. Uh, and to the very people that were in, in the room, uh, possibly thinking about undermining the, uh, the election. And so he started to speak up. He now might as well finish it and, and uh, go ahead and, and, and actually cut that lane for himself uh, for the uh, presidency in 2024. And uh, if he called and asked for my advice, that's what I would tell him. Yeah, I mean, practically speaking, those who believe that Dominion voting machines rigged the election are not going to be voting for Mike Pence at this point. And so I think you're right. Maybe just to finish the job would, would serve him best and then the country just to hear from him. Um, lastly, just as we go forward, what have you not heard that you'd like to hear? What do you think might be an appeal to our fellow Republicans who are still sitting back struggling with whether January 6th was a big deal, whether the president's attempts to overturn an election on a basis of fraud that there is no evidence for? I don't think anybody's struggling with it, Weston. I think the sides are already baked in. Um, I think those that, uh, are on on the side of Donald Trump in this regard. They don't really care what is said. There's nothing that can be said. If what's been said already hasn't changed opinions, there's nothing more that can be said. And those that are open-minded to it and more uh, independent thinking, uh, I think they've already also been persuaded. And so um, I, I I think it's important for, uh, for the committee to complete the work, issue their report and turn over whatever they have to DOJ. Because I think there were some crimes committed, and I don't know how high up it goes. I don't. I'm not a lawyer. I don't. I'm not a criminal attorney. But they should just take everything that they've gotten, all the voicemails, all the emails, all the depositions, and turn it over to DOJ and say, "Here you go. Do with it what you will." All right, Congressman. We'll leave it there. Thanks for your time. Hey, good to be with you, Weston. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One, the country's leading political reform organization that unites Republicans, Democrats, and independents to fix our broken political system. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. Even better, rate and review it on iTunes to help us reach more listeners. You can find out more at swampstories.org. I'm your host, Weston Womp. A special thank you to executive producer Doki Fassian, senior producer Evan Ottenfield, producer Sidney Richards, and editor Parker Tant from ParkerPodcasting.com. Swamp Stories was recorded in Tennessee, edited in Texas, and can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.